0: Make sure you register and you don't want to go to that part of town. And I would always say, Well, what do you mean? And they would say, It's the black part of town. My name's Clint Otwell and I work for San Francisco Public Works. I worked here two years and I work in the director's office. I come from a very, very small rural farming community in Kansas. We had one person of color in our high school, um, and he was biracial. You know, for most of my childhood, I didn't grow up around anyone of any color other than white. We were in like an old southern city that had remnants of Jim Crow and segregation. We were in Kansas, but it's just everyone there is a farmer. So, you know, I grew up very naive and know, it's one of those things that a lot of white kids probably are dealing with or at least trying to process is that, you know, we get sort of mixed messages as a child. Why are we saying one thing and and we're supposed to behave a certain way as Christians, as, you know, church going people, and then we're doing something not uh, good over here. You know, we're not we're not walking the walk or talking the talk um, because we're not supposed to say the n-word, but grandpa does. You know, um, and so I I had a lot of questions. And, you know, you hear a lot of ignorant things, especially in rural communities where there is no exposure. And I think when I was growing up, I thought that like, okay, 1964 civil rights movement, like, you know, segregation ended and Brown versus Topeka Board of Education, you know, I took government class. I Mm -hmm. thought that was just like over. They just took away the separate um, drinking fountains and, They got the right to vote, and everything's just hunky dory. But um, I definitely tried to just get a better understanding because what I saw and what I was told in my high school history class and what I saw in real life were not at all the same or accurate. So, one of the things that really pushed my curiosity was I took a job over the summer to go uh, sell books door-to-door like a door-to-door book salesperson. Um, You were supposed to make a lot of money in the summer and then, you know, that's that's what I was going to try and do. But they sent us to the area between Houston and New Orleans, which is sort of a very, very Southern, and all of the remnants of Jim Crow and segregation, all of those things are ever-present and obvious. I went there and I think I was most shocked that like little itty-bitty small towns similar to where I grew up, except all of those little bitty towns had a separate area across the tracks or across the bridge or on the other side, whatever the other was. And they would always say to me when I would go to the town and say, hey, I'm going to be selling books door to door. They would tell me, okay, well, you know, make sure you register and you don't want to go to that part of town. And I would always say, well, what do you mean? And they would say, it's the black part of town. So, of course, that's where I would go first. (laughs) And um, that's where I saw, you know, institutional racism, systemic racism, in the most stark and obvious way I'd ever seen in my little 20-year-old life um, and thought that, you know, like all of these things that people have been telling me about, you know, Blacks don't want to get a job or they don't want to work hard, like those are completely false and (laughs) and wrong. And if the Black people down here weren't working, nothing would get done because they're the only people that have all the crappy jobs, you know? So this is wrong. (laughs) Uh, I was with my partner uh, who is African-American. He was driving. Uh, We were on, we were very close to home, like maybe two blocks. He made a turn. It wasn't even late. We weren't out drinking or doing anything wrong. Um, He made a left turn, I think, and we got pulled over and, um, You know, I was focused on getting the driver's license and the insurance and all of the paperwork handed to him. And I kept looking over toward the driver's side. He was starting to get an attitude with the police officer because he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't know why we were getting pulled over. And, you know, I'm saying, you're going to get us killed. And I'm scared that, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll just charm and smile my way out of this, you know, and I'm trying to get him to be nice. And I look over to my right and there was a police officer. With her gun drawn on me, I'd never had a gun drawn in my life, and they were talking to John, but they had someone on the other side, sort of flanking me from the back with their gun drawn. And I'm like, "What in the world? We did this is like a traffic stop." I just couldn't understand. I'm like, "This is scary as heck," uh, and so I was very scared, and that became very real to me. And now I look back and I think, you know, "How many people realize that that's what African Americans go through?" every single day every time they see a person in uniform every time they get pulled over and what that what does that do to your soul when you have to be worried about this sort of extra thing all the time i'm feeling disappointed and frustrated because it doesn't seem like the progress that we should have made a long time ago um, has been made. Um, When I I think about, I graduated high school in 1992, and that was the time of the LA riots um, and Rodney King. And we're still back to the same thing that we were talking about back then. And um, I don't, like it hasn't gotten any better, and there's no there's no shortage of content. I mean, there's now we have smartphones and videos and social media, and I'm glad that it's you know more toward the uh, national conversation, and I'm hopeful that we're we're moving in the right direction. But it just seems like how can we continue to ignore the injustice or pretend like it's not there when it's been so obvious for so long? I feel like once the big corporations and especially the ones that are extremely wealthy, the Google, Apple, Facebooks, once they are on board um, and they start flexing their muscle and saying, you know what, if you're racist, we're not going to do business with you. I think that's when we start to see a a real shift. I, I mean, for lack of a better word, when, you know, when money or like what's culturally acceptable starts to change, which it's now seeming like we're starting to get a little traction that like the masses are saying, Whoa, this, this is not okay, which is great. I hope, I hope so. I'm very hopeful, but I'm, I'm reluctant to be too hopeful. I mean, when we all, when the pandemic's over and we all go back to work and we get, or go back to focusing on, um, you know, all of our day-to-day mundane activities, are we going to, are we going to still make sure we, are, are looking at things through a racial equity lens and, and think about our uh, black and brown brothers and sisters constantly before we, before we speak or before we <laughs> take an action or do something silly. I hope so. Good policies and bad policies are made all the time, but if, We're not even bringing the right people that are going to be impacted to the table when we're making the policy. We're never going to fix those mistakes. I think we need to just make sure that every time we make a decision or make a policy, that we just take a step back and say, you know, am I looking at this as if I were black or brown or is this going to have an impact on other populations besides myself? and really do that gut check every time, you know, look around the room. Uh, I know that's something that is being talked about a lot in the gay community, because we have some work to do with our diversity. You know, we, we have a lot of um, gay events and you look around and where are the people of color? Where, where's their pride? You know, where's their, <laughs> um, where's their moment? right now there is a shortage in my opinion of of white people that need to step up and own it <laughs> and say i'm an anti racist and this is not okay if you talk this way or say these things it's not okay um, and i think that you know right now i you know i'm i'm aware that like i don't want to be labeled a karen <laughs> i don't want people to look at me and think i'm You know, this entitled uh, racist person, but I will say I am white and we all have work to do. And I'm just trying to really step back and really just examine, you know, where my own history and my own sort of blind spots are uh, because we all have them. Thanks for listening to Snapshots, a public works podcast.